Hello and welcome to the final episode of Series 2 of Rocket Pod. And joining us on the mic for our last episode is the one and only Suresh Raj. I'm going to leave it there, but for the one final time, sit back and enjoy. Uh, welcome, Suresh, uh, to Rocket Pod. It's wonderful to have you join us today. I guess start this. Um, so, Suresh, for our listeners out there, um, was the president of HP India um, and grew the business from uh, 60 employees to tens of thousands of employees um, and has developed um, some great ideas around really what business excellence is. Um, so to kick things off, Suresh, welcome. Um, what, is business, what does business excellence mean to you? Well, let, let me actually first start with something uh, that I uh, found very valuable and, uh, and a great learning along the way uh, in, my, in my life. Uh, one is that you're sitting on a three-legged stool. And the three legs of the stool obviously must be equal, otherwise you fall off. The first leg for everybody, including your employees, including yourselves, uh, and the people running businesses, is to make a contribution. That's obviously, uh, that's obvious. You get paid for that and that's the goal. You've got to make a contribution. And that everybody understands. What they miss out is on the other two legs. The second leg is continuous learning. Life is changing too damn fast nowadays and things are changing so fast that if you don't have continuous learning, every two months look back and say, did I get some new learning? And if not, find it, damn it, whether it's from the HR guy, from a colleague, from the net, from social media, from project management courses, from whatever, but you must have continuous learning, otherwise you're falling back. And the third leg of the, of the stool is uh, having fun. And most people forget, you know, and you get to be my age and you say, God damn it, I, I made a contribution. I had great learning but didn't really enjoy it. It was like, oh shit, it's Monday, all right? Instead of, instead of, of uh, having a real ball and saying, I can hardly wait to get to work or do what I need to do because I'm gonna have some fun. Because the fun element as entrepreneurs and as leaders, we often forget to weave in to our companies to make sure our colleagues, our employees and everybody has a process for having fun. Okay, so you still need a process for that because I guess the next question I have is, is a work-life balance achievable or is it, is it just elusive? So what are your experiences um, with work-life balance? I guess the, the fun piece is, is an integral part of striking that balance. You know, at, at, uh, at, at uh, my time, allowing people to even work from home was a big deal. It was work-life balance. And it's the first time in India, for example, when any company started, uh, hey, you can do this from home. There's no problem. Just come back with, with uh, the data that you require to and uh, the value add that you're supposed to provide. The key is to have the measures in place, the goals, the data, and the measures. Because people forget that. You can have a vision. You can have uh, a bunch of goals or strategies but they forget the measure and the owner of each goal or each strategy. And that includes having fun. For example, I got a team together when I was uh, at HP, for example, or any, any, any company I worked in or created, I got a team together from different departments, four or five people. Their job was to ensure that employees have fun. And there was, there was a measure for it. A lot of interesting stuff came out of that. I wasn't creating it. I didn't have the, the brains to find all the fun. The people did it. And it's, it's amazing. They come up with some amazing ideas just by creating the process for doing it. Yeah, that's really, I've, I've never actually thought about uh, the fun element and, and the process that's required to actually make it happen. So, I mean, I think I'm, I mean, I think Peter probably knows me the best, or know, know me the longest. I, I'm a bit of a workaholic um, and um, I haven't done a very good job in the last two years of actually finding any work-life balance. And to be honest, my fun factor has probably been a little limited as well. So, you know, the amazing thing about this, the three-legged stool, 
is you, you can use it in many ways. For example, my son started a company, a mobile company, um, doing projects, et cetera, in New York. And he was uh, actually, he made sure that he attended one of my, my seminars that I gave. And he said, I've got to provide, con contribution is understood. The continuous learning and fun, we got to have a process for making it happen and a measure. So last Friday of every month, we'll get the team together, all the managers, and we're going to talk about what contribution they've made or what, con sorry, what learning they've had, what learning they've had. And it's amazing, the learning, when you discuss it, ideas come in everybody's head, plus there's a pressure on oneself that, hey, I've got to go this Friday and, and give my 10 minutes pitch on what learning I've had. So I better have some damn learning. All right. And, and uh, in fact, they even used to sometimes uh, zoom in on a professor at Stanford who used to give a talk on entrepreneurship on, on a Saturday. And you pick up learning from that. And then you discuss how we can apply it in the company. In small companies, this is really, really amazing. The, the value add that one gets out of it. And the fun element is, is okay, uh, they had uh, uh, soccer on Saturdays and they had played tennis on Saturdays. They'll go to a bar and friends, girlfriends, wives, whatever. They'll get together and, and, and have some fun. That's brilliant. And these three elements, when you joined Hewlett Packard to when you left, are these three even elements, these, did you implement them? Were these things that you realized that weren't? readily available, weren't, weren't balanced or, or present at Hewlett-Packard? And then did you implement it? Is that what helped and contributed to the amazing success and growth that you took with it? It's a really good question because I'm, I'm going to give you a, a neat idea. Um, apart from preaching this in your own company and talking about it and making it happen and making sure there are measures for it, my son used it very in interestingly uh, once. He was interviewing somebody at a university to hire uh, people for his company and uh, the guy was saying yeah I've got a job from Microsoft at 100k a year and my son in a small company could afford to pay 45,000 bucks a year all right so he told him he said listen in Microsoft you're going to get stuck at doing 40 people doing iOS whatever in one department with blinkers on and that's all you're going to learn all right in my place Every fr last Friday of every month, we talk about continuous learning. We make sure everybody has fun. We got this three-legged stool and, uh, and you'll make a contribution, I'm sure. But damn it, for two, three years, join a small company where you're going to get an exposure to everything. And you have a ball doing it and you get continuous learning. Every damn month, we're going to make sure you have continuous learning. You won't believe it. The guy thought about it. He says, I'll think about it. At 50K, I joined him and set up a job with Microsoft at 100K because of contribution, learning, and fun, and the way it was portrayed to him and presented to him. Then, then I, I'll give you one more twist, and then you can, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you get to your question. One of, my, uh, one of the people came to me and, uh, and said, uh, yeah, I've got an interview for a job. There are 350 people applying for this management position. Any tips? I said, you go through your interview, and at the end of the interview, the guy will always ask you, do you have any questions? Always, the interviewer. And when he says, do you have any questions? You tell him, you know, John, sir, Sam, whatever, uh, I'm sitting on a three-legged stool in my life. The first, and three legs have to be equal, otherwise I fall off. First leg is make a contribution, and damn it, Sam, I know I'm going to make a tremendous contribution to your company. Could you tell me from a continuous learning and fun perspective, what do you do in your company to make sure I get that? And I'll shut up and listen. Nobody would have ever asked him that question. And you'll differentiate yourself from the 350 other people who applied for the damn job. And they're looking for somebody who's different. And you got yourself short. Um, in a short list of uh, the top candidates to be considered for the job. And guess what? The guy did. He was in the top three, and I don't know after that what happened. This is recent. So you can use this three-legged stool in many, many ways, and, and, and it adds tremendous value. And make sure in your own life you have it. 
So it's almost like you've got to be intentional. So we talk about the process for fun. It, it's, it's intentional, isn't it? Intentional to make the contributions, intentional for the continuous learning, and intentional to have fun no matter what. Um, and then find a way to pull your teammates into the process um, so everyone can share knowledge, you know, share those endorphins, and also, yeah, uh, <laughs> make sure they're making the contributions. In fact, they're making a contribution by by providing a bit of fun. I like it. I'm I'm feeling good just talking about it. And people love to talk about what they're doing and what fun they can have and or what value they can add to other people within the company, however large it is or however small it is. It's 10 people or if it's 1,500 people. So um, we, we chatted to um, an entrepreneur recently, um, a guy called Daniel Priestley. Uh, he's an author. He's actually one of my favorite business authors. And um, he was talking about the cycles of entrepreneurship. Um, and he, he was talking about um, how you just have to eat glass sometimes for a couple of years because it's just a hard grind getting a business started. But then he said you enter a different season, you know, when obviously things are set up and you've got the cash flow and, you know, you can kind of you reach cruising altitude. So do you have any tips for entrepreneurs that are, are basically, you know, working 24-7 just to get something going um do you buy that or is that just a is that just a rut story um should, should they be working less and having more fun or do you just accept the fact that you know what there's times for working and there's times for a bit of balance can you comment on that at all you know there's a three-legged stool it's a balance you can't say i'm going to work my ass off and and then uh, the other two elements are left like i said every two months look back and make sure you've got new learning especially nowadays you know, I used, to, I used to start my talk with a couple of things that, that I'm, I'm just going to mention to you because you've asked that question that, in that way. If you've always done it that way, it's probably wrong. That's a Charles Kettering quote. Even if you're on the right track, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Imagine a train track. You'll get run over if you just sit there. It, and it hurts to be on the cutting edge. And all your entrepreneurs who are starting companies are on the cutting edge of stuff. Damn it, it hurts to be on the cutting edge. You've got to make sure that you do it right. And that the vision that you've got in mind, you've carefully, very carefully made sure with your team, your management team, you put together, done a SWOT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and translated that into strategies for overcoming weaknesses and taking care of challenges and leveraging the strengths. And making sure each strategy has got a measure and an owner in the company. And it all gets done. And review it once in three months. So you've got to keep moving. <laughs> you've got to keep moving and you've got yeah, to have yeah. a plan. And, and, and never, never be afraid to try something new. Remember, amateurs built the Ark and professionals built the Titanic. Well, just going back to what you, what you mentioned about the guy either going for the $100,000 job or the $50,000 job. Is is uh, kind of company culture and like the kind of uh, the goals of a company something that say we mentioned our, our audience is quite young or younger um, generally um, is that something that you would kind of advise people to look for rather than the kind of accolades of say in that example going and working for Microsoft or Google or Facebook in that way look for a smaller company that has a bit of a uh, possibly a more ethical mission or an opportunity to try a bit of accounting, a bit of uh, coding, a bit of uh, pitching to clients, like and all these different company, things. And they talk about it, darn it, that we have a process for making sure it happens. All right. And we do it every month. And, and, and you, you're going to be part of that. And you'll have continuous learning in this organization, which you'll never get. How many Hewlett Packets or Microsofts or IBMs do this in their companies? They do not, unfortunately. There's also something that also springs to mind. It's a good question, Peter. So there, there is um, something I, I stumbled across a few years ago was that if you, if you worked three years for a business that really wasn't evolving as a business, then there is an argument that you've only got one year of experience. Um, but if you're working with a business that really embraces continuous learning, in your, in your words, um, Suresh, 
um, and you know you're exposed to lots of different facets um, of the business, then actually you've got a solid three years of of, of experience. So I think you know apl applying the 100k versus the 50k. Um, if you're in a business that is constantly challenging you and pushing your comfort zone, um, then actually you're, you'll be far more capable at the end of it. And you know what? You'll probably land a 150 grand job if that's what you, you need. And I guess as you get older, you know, you'll have different responsibilities. And maybe when you're younger and don't have a, a family and a wife or a husband um, or whatever, you might be able to you know, live with the lower salary while you get more experience. I don't know, just for our younger listeners out there. No, but you made, a, you made a very good point, by the way, uh, super point, because in, after this couple of years or three years or whatever, you land yourself something that you much better and higher in terms of salary, if that's the only measure you have, I don't believe in that that's the only measure, then you would have if you stayed in one organization at 100K and getting your regular annual salaries increases, or you'll be much better equipped to start your own company and become an entrepreneur than you ever would be otherwise. And, and of course, sorry. No, of course the basics have to happen. For example, um, in any organization, and it makes it it's much more difficult to do today when you've got remote organizations and people are working from different locations. different. Uh, so it's very tough to do what we in HP used to call an MBWA, a management by walking around by saying, hi, how are you doing? And you know, you walk around and, and, uh, and it's like great people say, hey, Suresh is coming around the corner. And, uh, and, and it's never a negative or ne never a, a slap on the, on the back of your hand to say you're screwing up. It's always recognizing and appreciating what you're doing when, you, when you're doing the walking around. Otherwise your face comes around the corner and the people want to disappear. If, if people are like that in terms of critiquing. So do that in your performance evaluation or at the right time. Okay, so one, one other thing I want to point out to you is something I used to do uh, regularly every month with every department that got tremendous results was something, something I called MOTs, Moments of Truth. You got it? MOTs, Moments of Truth. And all a moment of truth is is a nice brainstorming uh, session with the department, however many people there, whether it's an eight-people department or, or 20, and you just talk about, hey, how did I screw up in meeting my objectives or taking care of my customer? And everybody in the organization has a customer. For HR, it's the employees. For accounting, it's the rest of the departments. But everybody has a customer. So how did, how did I screw up in looking after my customer? And of course, for the sales guy, it's the outside customer. That's obvious. And very interesting things come out. The accounting guy, oh, you know, I screwed up in my, in my uh, we didn't get paid on time because I screwed up on an on a, on a invoice that I sent out to a customer. So then you make a list of these things, 8, 10, 15 of them, prioritize them, and very simply say, how do we make sure, guys, looking at the guys, how do we make sure, guys, that this never happens again? Who wants to take charge of this, take ownership, and make sure you put the process in place and the measures that this problem will never happen again in this company or in this department? And goddammit, people are amazed. It never happens again because people took ownership. And in small companies even, this is very important. In a remote environment, it makes it more difficult to do, but damn it, do it, because you don't want to put up with crap on a continuous basis. You want to pr promote excellence and continuous improvement. And it happens like magic, I'm telling you. I'd like to take this moment to introduce to you our sponsor, Flexi, the must-have app to track and manage your subscriptions in one place. So most of us have multiple subscriptions nowadays for things like streaming services, gym memberships and food deliveries. These are great and take the hassle out of buying everyday products that we consume regularly, but it can be hard to keep track of them. That's where Flexi comes in handy, using super secure technology to connect your accounts to see all your subscriptions in a single dashboard, putting you in control of your spending. And what's more, Flexi's subscription marketplace allows you to discover new products you may love, 
or easy to pause, resume or cancel in a swipe or two. So give Flexi a try, it's free to download from the App Store or check out their website at www.flexiapp.uk That's F-L-E-X-Y app.uk Back to the podcast. Comes back to those three legs each time. I, I can see it in, in everything you're talking about. It really is. It's, it's brilliant. So I guess I, I'd be interested to understand following Hewlett Packard. Where did your journey take you then? You know, I uh, spent 29 years with HP. So there was tremendous learning and having fun. And they, they focused on these things and they focused on business excellence that we uh, made it happen as we started own companies or started subsidiaries in other countries like China, Korea, Taiwan. South Africa, South America. So, you know, I spread the word around everywhere. So that, so that is one. So when I left HP, to answer your question directly, I started a small company as an entrepreneur. I was uh, hired by some VCs with tremendous stock options and ownership and, and said, hey, come and do this and run this company for us. And we're going to merge a couple of companies and, and uh, you can really add value from all the learning that you had and the business excellence you've created. And uh, I've learned that life is not always the same as in a large company or as a a Hewlett Packard that you're running. So you come up with things that you never imagined. You find uh, people on the board who are not in sync with the vision of the company. That's a a no-no. And uh, because their goal is how much money they got, how much revenue, uh, how much profits. And they forget that, hey, there's a process to make all that happen. It takes a little time. But, but it's, uh, uh, for example, you got to focus on the employee. If you don't focus on the employee, he doesn't focus on the customer, whether it's inter- internal customer or outside customer. If you don't focus on the outside customer in, in a wow way, and creating value and uh, for them, the business results don't happen. You lose market share. You know, I, I plotted some, once over 10 years, I plotted employee satisfaction on a scale of 10. I plotted customer satisfaction and business results as, as market share. It was direct correlation between the three. Pass this on to your people. So you've got to start with employee satisfaction, make sure customer satisfaction happens, and customer satisfaction happens, market share will, will happen because you're creating value. And so I took that to other companies, didn't do quite well. Um, and, uh, you know, in large corporations, one of the things that happens is there's a director of finance. He looks after the finance side. Hey, he reported to me and he just told me how things work every month. Now I have to do it myself. I wasn't, I wasn't quite a pro at that. And screwed up a number of times. So as an entrepreneur, I made my mistakes and learned from them. Did that in two companies, actually. Did that in two companies uh, after that, till I retired. And uh, my goal became very different. My goal was to add value and... Uh, and uh, goal now is to add value without letting ego come in the way. <laughs> you can't say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm doing a great thing. No, you're adding value. Okay. Well, you, you said something really interesting, Suresh, when we, when we chatted um, a few weeks ago. You, you said that every, every week you seek out ways to make a contribution or to add value, I think. I can't remember your exact words. And I thought that was really a really nice thing to do because, you know, you you know, you don't have to do that, um, but you, you know, you'll continue. And, and that was, you said that was one of your motivations to coming on the rocket pod and sharing some of your experiences with our listeners. Um, because you, you know, there was something, there was some wisdom that you could share with us and, you know, and our listeners. Can you talk a little bit about that, about, um, why, why you do that? I do that because I get tremendous satisfaction and, uh, it's about adding value to people. It's about, um, um, you, I, I get a thrill and a, and, and a tremendous satisfaction from seeing somebody do well and take on the example you gave them or or uh, idea that you gave them and they take it off and it goes off like a rocket. It's great with young people, especially 
it's, it's, it's amazing how they take your ideas. For example, this three-legged stool idea. Simple little thing, but God damn it, putting it to practice. All right. I've seen people take it and, uh, and ride with it. And uh, people who had never even thought about continuous learning. You know, once uh, I was giving a talk to a, a management team at the board level, managers were, managers were there in their 50s of a large company. And at the end of my talk, after having mentioned this three-legged stool thing, I asked them on a scale of one to 10 guys, in the last six months in this company, how much contribution have you made? And people were eight out of 10, nine out of 10. One guy even said 11 out of 10. And I said, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> you know, he says, you know, I'm a finance guy. And the last three months was closing of the year. And I worked every damn Saturday and Sunday to make sure books happen, close on time. So I, I say it was 11 out of 10. I said, fantastic. I said, no, okay, now let me switch uh, to, uh, to continuous learning. How much continuous learning, learning have you had in the last six months, the hell with three months in this company or on your own? You dug it out. One out of 10, two out of 10, zero out of 10. How damn unfortunate. We can't let these young people who are listening maybe today get into that uh, mode. And when I asked the third question about having fun, hell, it was again zero out of 10 and two out of 10. What a way to fly through life. So giving young people ideas like this, I think they can improve their own lives. Absolutely. No, in a major way. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And actually, Suresh, something you mentioned earlier about, um, it's when you had the example about the 50K, 100K salary, and you said to you, it's sort of salary, just there was more, there's more to it. Now, what, what I guess for you is, is success? What, what to you as an individual defines success? Is it happiness? Is it money? And then how important is it for our young listeners, uh, well, all our listeners to really figure out what they want, why they're doing what they're doing? First is we go through school and we go through university or whatever learning we've gone through training to achieve a certain goal in a certain field because we chose finance or we chose um, electric cars or, or artificial intelligence or software or IT. or We chose that, all right? So once we work towards that, then the question, of, the question then becomes, how do I make a contribution? Where will I make the best contribution in which company? And will I get the other two elements, continuous learning and having fun? I'm sorry, I keep coming back to that. And it's mind-boggling how that, uh, how that uh, becomes a wild thing. I tell you, in my, in my son's company right now, I go in there sometime and they call, call me over to give a little chat sometime. And, uh, and I do it out of fun and adding value again. And they are having a ball. You can see the relationship. You can feel the relationships. And not and, and, and shit. My son is very careful about. Uh, he's only thirty-one or something, and and very very concerned about or careful that everybody makes a contribution. Everybody has a measure, and they meet their goal. And once you do it in a in a process, as a process, it just happens. It just happens because you got you got uh, you know they do a quarterly review. And everybody comes with their own traffic light, green, yellow, or red. So they say, this was my goal. Hey, green light, nobody discusses any further. They achieved it. They met the goal. Amber, hey, I'm sorry, I'm a little late, but I'll get it done in two days or one week. And in the red, what do we need to change to make it happen? Did the goal still make sense? Or, or we abort it and we continue but let's discuss it and the discussion in the meeting is around those things so that okay that's really interesting so um are you a list person so as far as okay and i, I put some context behind this um quite often if i'm really honest with myself i will find myself in the a failure curve because i can't get everything done um and i i am i do my best with my best judgment as an entrepreneur to deploy the, you know, Parader's law, the 80, 20, you know, hopefully I'm spending my time because I'm never going to finish the list. Anyway, I'm just wondering how, how did you run your days? Uh, were you looking at, um, you know, a desired outcome um, or were you looking at 
lists I, I, as far as any, any insights as, as far as how you ran your day, you know, um, you know, leading a big business and, and big teams of people, um, any, any wisdom that you would impart on someone that might never be able to finish <laughs> their, their day's work? You know, you know, um, first of all, every employee in the company, everybody must have their goals. That's very clear. And I did an MBWA and it's more difficult to do now when you've got remote workers, right? Because it's not like walking around and smiling at the guy and saying, hey, how things going? Or seeing the same uh, two PCs were lying in the demo room for the last two months. What the hell are they sitting on the floor out there for? What are the assets for? So I start thinking and I ask a question. So you pick up a lot of stuff by just walking around. But I am challenged now, and I pass the challenge on to you, you and your, organize, uh, your, your listeners, on how do you do it remotely? That's, that'll be really unique. But one thing for sure, I've got to tell you, is so, to allude to something you said, asked, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the best, you very often get it. If you have to accept anything but the best. And, and remember one thing, of course, excellence is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Excellence is a marathon. Don't expect people, even for yourself, that hey, it's going to make it happen when I go back to work on, on, uh, on Friday or Monday or whatever. It's a marathon. I, th- I think some of the challenges that you touched on, I mean, in, in the, the remote world of Slack and, you know, virtual, di- the digital world that we're, we're running businesses in now, um, as far as the, the work-life balance piece, um, emotion kind of spring, springs to my mind. You know, the, the E and the, the motion, you know, it's motion, isn't it? It's moving forward. So how do you, so I think actually making sure that we're, we're rested um, and we have time for ourselves and, uh, we have that, that, that balance, you know, it, it enables us to operate, you know, at a higher level um, that if we're just stuck, you know, working the whole time. Um, so it's almost, it, it almost create, and the world of, you know, devices, everything is very addictive and, you know, you think you might be um, productive, but actually quite often you're not, you, you're almost like you're tricked into thinking that you're making progress when you're not. So I'm just thinking this emotional piece it's probably it's key. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm rambling a little bit, but um... no, no, I, I got what you're saying. Um, if you started with every person in the department, including yourself, having a goal with a time frame, is revenue related, cost related, time related, or people related? That's it. Whatever you have, whatever whatever you're doing. So you, if you have a measure, and you have a time frame. Damn it, it gets done. Otherwise, you give yourself a. Otherwise, you get yourself a yellow light or or amber instead of a green at the end of a month. And if everybody did that, can you imagine the sigma, the sum of everybody doing their thing and everybody doing it on time or making sure it gets done? The results are amazing. Yeah, I I can empathize with that. Uh, I think just to just to, just another thing sprang to my mind. Something I'd like to share with our listeners. So in 2010, um, I started reading 10 pages of a nonfiction book a day. Um, and that's changed my life. Um, and, I mean, fiction's great too, but uh, my, my goal is 10 pages a day. Occasionally, I, I, I might fall off the wagon and go a few days, but then I catch up. Um, and it's amazing how many books you go through, and it's amazing what you learn. Um, and even if, you know, you might read a whole book, but, and there might be just one gold nugget of something you can apply to your life. Um, you don't have to, you know, buy everything w- with what someone's saying, but you know, some things fit. And then the other piece um, that I've just learned from just the journey I've been in the last eleven years on on that p- sp- specific subject is that as you get older and wiser, um, you might reread the book again five years later, and you'll you'll take something completely different away from it because there's a bit more context. You know, you might not be ready for some of the books. It's not a waste of time. Um, so I encourage. Totally in sync with you. Totally in sync with you. I've done that for a number of books. And uh, second time you read it, you get something even more out of it. 
for something different out of it and it adds to rather than uh, nothing. In fact, your listeners, for your listeners, it's not only, it's not only books, it's, it's uh, taking the trouble to listen to Rocket Pod. All right? There's some things that will fall out that, uh, that it'll be amazing for them in the long run. You know, I'll, I'll give you, since you're quiet right now, I'll give you another very interesting thing that I came across. It just hit my head. You know, uh, I, I was seeing customers in uh, the U.S., uh, at one time, and I went to the small company, and there's a receptionist at the as you enter, and she had a very interesting title. Normally, the title would be what would the title be? Just tell me. Right, receptionist or switchboard operator or something or the other. This one was, would you believe? I'll never forget it. Director of first impressions. So I asked her, I said, uh, I said, uh, Susan, is, while I was waiting for her to make my con connect in the company who I was supposed to see, I said, Susan, please tell me what director of first impressions means and what is it? What do you do? Guess what? She says, I've got to make sure that the first impression that anybody that comes into this company or I'm in touch with thinks positively about the company. So my job is that the phone does not ring more than three times. I'll make sure I'll pick it up, take a message. And once I take a message, I'll make sure that the person I give the message to responds in the time they're supposed to respond because I'm the director of first impressions. I said, second, she says, see in this, uh, in this place where you're sitting, there are three meeting rooms where people have meetings as they have been with customers coming in or, or people like you coming in. Every time they leave a meeting, the chairs are looking in different directions. There's cups of coffee lying all over the damn place and it looks a mess. That's a terrible impression when somebody else comes in. So I make sure that everything and all the chairs are aligned and, uh, and, the, and uh, the cups are removed and the place looks good. Director of first impressions. I said, give me a last one. I, had to, I was very intrigued. So I said, give me another one. So he says, she says, I take care of, uh, to make sure that all the plants in this place as you walk in are watered and the, the, and the gardener who just think the flowers are there and you get a feel like, wow, what a lovely place I'm in. So around the whole building, around the whole office, I make sure that plants are taken care of. I'm the director of first impressions. God, she was proud as hell of her job. That's such a great, great touch. And how important is first impressions in any scenario? You know, I, I learned from this lady and I went back to HP in, in India that time. And I, I said, I told the receptionist before we had, I said, you know, you're a director of first impressions. And she said, what? I said, you know, all these things you can do. And God damn it, things started happening. And she, and she felt important. Another thing is, attrition goes down, by the way. You feel important. You feel good on a three-legged stool. And your attrition levels will go down. And, uh, and uh, I, I just happened to spend a weekend in, in a, with somebody at a, at, a, at a Thousand Islands out here uh, with, a, with a relative who has a bunch of dealerships, car dealerships. And I was asking him how's business. And he said, well, the sales business is, uh, is down. People are not buying that many cars. But damn it, my service business has gone crazy to the extent that I'm losing people and uh, and." Uh, People are stealing them. And so I gave him this three-legged stool thing. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, find ways to add value and have continuous learning. They haven't even thought about that yet. They contribute to you, but damn it. Have you thought about the next thing you can do for them? For example, how can the service an electric car when it comes around two years later? Start providing them that information and knowledge. And they'll say, wow, what a damn company I'm working for. And they started then started getting ideas on what they can do to make it fun for people. Just bring in a few snacks once in a while, put them somewhere, and people just you know pick it up and have it and carry on. And how much does it cost compared to the overall business? Nothing. 
And then he started, his mind started going like that, that he was going to start implementing some of these things. Wow. Good. So that's the value add every week. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that's brilliant. And actually that point about the first impressions, whether you're an online business, in-person business, there's so many things that you can do, whether it be the first impression or throughout the whole impression of the business experience that can create such value and can be so brilliant to, to your business growth. And I think for listeners that maybe are starting something, there are small things that you can do like the, the snacks or the, the smile that will really be a lasting impression on the customer. You know, when you expected to call, when you expected to call back a phone call you got, you expected to call back within two hours, God damn it. Uh, you don't say, oh, it's the son of a bitch. Oh, they don't worry that he can wait till the day after tomorrow. No, you do it, damn it. Just like the Nike ad, just do it. I think what you'd mentioned earlier about the, the connection between the employee satisfaction with the, the customer satisfaction with the uh, business performance, it really comes down to that as well, isn't it? And just providing a very a, a wonderful work environment. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to, I mean, I, I think this has been really helpful because, you know, I'm looking to attract top talent and I don't necessarily have big budgets for big salaries um, and the type of talent that I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> They're on six figures, you know, how do you get a, you know, okay, we've got equity, you know, we're a startup, you know, um, and actually this morning, this morning I had a conversation with, uh, with this, it was a kind of innovative recruitment firm. And uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, finding a, a very sharp, intuitive, you know, full stack developer. Um, and actually, uh, who ne- they don't necessarily even have to have a degree. They just need to be super, you know, commercially sharp, an absolute whiz um, to be a wingman for our technical co-founder. But of course, our budget won't stretch beyond a certain amount. And, you know, equity is on the table because we're looking to, you know, bring on board our first 10 employees. Um, And actually, the reverse of what you said, you know, we need to we need to be that fun you know, culture, that continuous learning employer that has fun (laughs) to attract someone like that. Because when you're young, I mean, that you know, when you're young, you just want, quite often, you just want the big salaries, Um, you know, and you don't blame, I mean, they're they're very marketable. No, you might want the big salary, but you appreciate the other two. So, So maybe that's how you spin it as an employer, because if you're creating this amazing culture, and we'll figure out how to motivate people in this virtual world. So we need to work on that. And it's a really good topic, actually. And I'd like to revisit that. Um, but if you are able to provide this abundance of joy and continuous learning and fulfillment, a fulfilling role where everyone is engaged and there's an opportunity to meet on a regular basis to discuss contributions, continuous learning and fun, um, and to have a process around that, that piece, then there's going to be more, the equity is going to be worth way more. And they'll, to be honest, they'll make more money. Um, it's just, it's a delayed gratification. It's not instant. It's not now. Um, but you could make much more if you're, if you're committed to the journey. Um, but it's up to my business. I mean, sorry, Harry and Peter, put it in my context, as far as how do you create that culture that, that can keep that, that momentum, that happy, that those emotions, you know, those, you know, how do you kind of drive the business forward like that? I mean, that, that's the business that I'm, I'd like to build. Um, I'd like to think I have it, but I think, we, I think we're working too hard and, and maybe not having as much fun as we could. So I need to change that. Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, we've mentioned Hewlett Packard quite a few times. So it'd be quite interesting for you to share the journey that it took for you to get uh, the job there and what that time there was like, even if it's quite brief. But my other question in that is, could you imagine, say, when you were 16, uh, that you'd be one day running a company with, I think Harry mentioned, 60,000 employees? Is that, did you always have a vision to kind of get to that kind of level or did that kind of just come and you were just kind of sucked along and taken along for the ride in that way? First of all, it wasn't 60,000, okay? So it was smaller. But um, you asked me where I started. I'll just give you a little fun, fun thing where I started. You wouldn't believe it. I'm Indian. I grew up in India. I got my degree in India. I came out here, did an MBA at York and a Master of Engineering and all that thing. But main thing is, the fun element I'm going to tell you is I joined Hewlett Packard and they wouldn't let me go out on sales. I joined, they hired me as a sales guy. But they somehow kept me as an internal sales guy helping all the other sales guys. 
because they didn't know how customers would react to an Indian coming and walking in and trying to peddle stuff. I, uh, so I'm talking about the 60s, mid-60s. And you won't believe it. Finally, after a year, I got my goal of going out and selling. I was ready. And the head of sales for the whole country flew down to Toronto to go out on my first sales call. So I had the company car. I went and picked him up at the hotel. But this is the fun part. He Instead of going to his side and getting in the car, he came across to my side, asked me to put the window down. I did. And he goes to my mouth and he goes, sniff, sniff. Oh, you don't have curry in the morning, do you? So I started my <laughs> stuff at HP with that. And I said, I'm going to show these guys that we can really perform and add value and work like hell and make some magic happen. Somebody else could have said, oh, shit, I don't want to work here. So it's always finding the twist to make it positive and creating value. So I started off there and had some very interesting experiences along the way on that line, but I don't think we have the time for that. So what's the, that, that's, a, that's, that's quite profound what you just shared with us. That, that's, that's profound. Um, you must have, so would you describe yourself as someone with a thick skin or did you just choose to respond? Well, you obviously chose to respond in a positive way, which um, I think the, how we respond to things, um, certainly in a, in a business setting or any setting, really defines, I mean, that you create your own luck. Um, I'll give you a simple example. I was in sales and I decided you got to always create value for people, right? For customers. And you can't let the tense situations, this is very important. You can't let tense situations prevail. A tough situation as a sales guy, I can't let it happen. So I remember walking into a, my customer was a professor at U University of Toronto. So I walked in there to sell him stuff, knocked on the door, and he yelled out. He knew me from before, and he says, hey, Suresh, I'm busy as hell. Please leave me alone. Come back in a year. Come back in a year's time. So I took out my notebook, and he was looking at me still. Now, I could have taken that very seriously, and I said, oh, shit. But I took out my notebook, and I said, uh, Professor Smith, in a year, it's okay, but could you please tell me, should I come in the morning at 10 or in the afternoon? With a smile on my face. He said, oh, come here and sit down. Come, Tell me what you, are about, what you, are, what you want to achieve. <laughs> and it was all gone. The tense moment was gone. So how do you remove those tense situations? Is a very good learning in selling. And we're all in sales, by the way. If you, as a CEO, you're selling to the employees, the management, whatever, to customers to so we we all in one mode or the other we are in sales and never let never let tense situations prevail it's not worth it make a joke out of it or make it lighter somehow at the moment <laughs> absolutely um just looking at the time i'm afraid we are actually coming to the end of the hour now but i just we just had a few i want to give a few final questions i guess if you could leave our audience with one piece of advice, now the three, the three-legged chair is something that we've heard a lot about. So I'm going to ask for a different piece of advice. So I'm going to have the, our three-legged chair is an amazing structure, which I think our listeners are definitely going to follow with. But is there something else that you can leave them with just as a summary of everything uh, for them today? Yeah, please add value to other people just as much as you would like to see people add value to you. And it's amazing what we can do with this, with this world. If we all thought about what value can I add and, and like the Nike ad, just do it. That's a very simple thing that I wanted to, uh, that I would say. And we can all find ways to add value. All, in any stage of our life, in any job, in any situation, a, a wife or uh, anybody, a friend, kids, they can all add value. That's very nice. And is, <clears throat> is there a nonfiction book that you'd recommend uh, that maybe has had an impact on you um, of your life um, could be any book. Uh, would you recommend? Uh... You know, you're looking for you're looking for business books, and my library is full of hundred books out here. Uh, but I'm going to tell you the book I'm reading now is 
at my stage in life, and I'm 77, and my stage in life, I'm reading from, de from death to birth. <laughs> Hell is very interesting. It's, it's the next stage. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you about that. But yes, I am, I am doing that, actually. But, but all my books, uh, yeah, there's, uh, it's about time management. It's about creating customer value. And, uh, and, and uh, lots of things around that and around okay. yoga. Is, is, if, you, if you were to meet someone for coffee, anyone at all, um, who would you want to have a coffee with? Actually, I would like to have it with Bill Gates because the guy is, uh, to me, comes across as a good, despite his uh, divorce right now <laughs> and what you've been reading about him. But I would like to because, I, you know, he's a great bridge player. You didn't know that, maybe. Um, loves it. He loves it. He plays exceptional bridge. And apart from that, I could talk to him about, about creating value. And he does tremendous value creation because he's got a foundation that he does that, does that through. And all the learnings that he's had, I could just listen, my ears open, and just take it in. And ask him for advice on how can I add value on a weekly basis. If I didn't have the amount of money that he has sitting in his pocket, how would I add value? Maybe I could ask, who's the most inspirational person you've uh, met in real life? Kind of connected to that question, whether it was through uh, the business that you did and uh, those kind of things. You won't believe it, uh, but my inspirational person was David Packard. Uh, the first time I ever met him, he was going around. He had come to visit Canada from California and he was being introduced. And uh, I said, I just joined the company and I said, uh, good morning, sir. And he says, this is not sir, I, I'm, I'm Dave. Okay. So from that time, the first name basis stuck in my head and everybody was first name uh, in the company. And, uh, and he's the one who I learned this three-legged stool from. I'd asked him, uh, he had come to visit Hong Kong once when I was director of sales there in marketing for Asia. And, uh, and, and I asked, I said, I need some advice on what job I can take and uh, what should I do next? I've got two offers. I like them both within HP. One is to go back to California and the other one is to go and start HP in India. And his answer was very different. His answer was, you're sitting on a three-legged stool. Where can you make a contribution? Where will you get continuous learning? And where will you have fun? But put that in a balance and go there. So I will not tell you where to go. You decide based on that. Thank you, Shresh. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Thank you for joining us for the last episode of Series 2. That is it. That is the end of RocketPod Series 2. It's been another incredible 12 weeks with some absolutely amazing conversations. And thank you so much to all of our amazing listeners for joining us on this journey. But do not worry, as we will be back with Series 3. We're going to have a little bit of a break, but do not worry. We've got some incredible people lined up for Series 3 and some conversations that we are very excited to share. And to keep in touch, to keep up to date on when we're going to be releasing Series 3, the best thing to do is follow us on social media, and that's at WeAreRocketPod on Instagram and Facebook. You can also check out our website at rocketpod.uk. One final huge thank you to our sponsor, Flexi, who is the mecca for all your subscriptions. If you haven't done it already... It's got to be done. Download the app from the App Store and start managing all your subscriptions from a single dashboard. Thank you from myself, James and Peter. Have an amazing day. We'll see you soon.